What is up? What is good? How you living? We are in South Beach, Miami, and I got Warren Sharp to my right. Uh, it's not as hot as we thought it was going to be, but it feels good. You got the South Beach LeBrons on. Um, you're a, you're a wanted man, Warren. Everywhere I go, people are trying to stop you, get an interview. How's it been going so far? Uh, it's been busy but fun. I mean, maybe it's the mustache people all recognize me yes. now. So they think, oh, we got to stop the guy with the mustache. That might be Warren Sharp. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, but it's a real treat. You know, it's fortunate. I'm fortunate to be in this predicament, this situation. Dude. Obviously, so happy to be down here with you. And How funny is it? Like, when was the first Super Bowl you came to? Actually, it was Atlanta last year. Gotcha. And did you, were you getting pulled as much as you are this year? Were you getting called as much? No, no. I'm seeing you all over the place. Isn't it funny Yeah, I've had to turn, yeah, I mean, like, I've turned out so many, like, local, smaller things. Yeah. Last year, I would um, respectfully decline, and this year, I can't even respond to their requests. Wow. Because it's just... How about, okay, so you really have been locked away for two weeks. Yeah. And you've been working on your Super Bowl report, your breakdown, and it... And you put it out on Twitter. If you're a member of the media and you want this, hit me up. How many did you get last year? How many did you get this year in terms I, of requests? I don't even know. Too many to count. I mean, they're just, it's, going, it's going crazy. And the funny part is, I mean, as you know, like people don't listen. So I'm getting like 200 random dudes messaging me. Yeah. Just, can I get the report? Like 200 in the span of like an hour. Just like because I have my DMs open. Right. So just exploding there. And obviously, like, unfortunately, I can't give it to random dudes. You know, right. this is, it, it, I was literally locked away I should have asked you this in before. a why studio. Don't, why don't you sell it? I do. Okay. I don't want to promote. I, like, I, I'm not in it for that. Like, I'm in it so for it's sharing the information. Gotcha. It is up on webs, the website. It's part of, like, the Sharp Football Analysis. You yes. get all my props, my game recommendation, and this report. But I'm not going around telling people about it because that's not, that's, not, that's not it for me. So I was in the hotel last night, and it's like 20, 30, 40 pages. And I read it in preparation of today, and we're going to give a lot of the information to the 33%. Um, is this similar to a report you would give teams before a, a game? No, and that's a great question. Um, normally, when I'm working with teams, uh, they want one of two things. Either they want a report issued in 18 hours after the prior game, or they want the report with the prior, like, Thursday or Friday, ahead of, right. the, like, just over a week before their next game. And when I'm working with those teams... I can only put like six, ten strongest recommendations for what I think that they should do. Right. Here, I literally spent eight days working on this thing, and so I came up with so much more information. Yes. Now, a lot of the things that I found in this report, I would have ultimately shared with the team that I was working for, as and some of the across. advice right. as I came across them. I would be a lot more direct, specific, con concise. Um, here I'm sharing a lot of interesting information, but what I tried to do in the 45-page report, I'm coming up with so many nuggets. I took all the best nuggets and shifted them up to the front of the report. So in the first two to three yes. pages, in case you don't want to read the whole 45 pages because right. you're not a psychotic, then <laughs> you can at least get all the nuggets in the first couple pages. Before we get into the report, uh, let's take a look at the line. Uh, we were recording this Thursday morning. The line started at a pick'em, and the total was at 51. It is now Kansas City favored by one and a half, and I've seen that everywhere. And I see the line now, is it 54 and a half? Yes. What do you just think about that movement 
And, and how do you read that compared to someone like me who's still learning what those movements mean? So Kansas City being a one-and-a-half-point favorite right now is no shock at all because okay. they open these point spreads. What people don't realize, like everybody's talking, well, oh, they shifted and the line has moved. They had these lines set before the championship games, right. and the line was going to be Kansas City minus one-and-a-half. So the fact that it opened a pick was a little bit surprising to me. Because the Niners were so dominant Sunday right. night when they played the Packers. Skewed things a little bit. Right. But the fact that for most of last week and then where we are right now, it's one, one and a half, does not surprise me at all. And it's also, in my opinion, not indicative of super sharp money or any type of uh, massive public consensus on gotcha. one side or another. I think that's just where the line should have ultimately moved to. Gotcha. Um, in terms of the total... That definitely received money towards the over. Um, and you've told me before, that's typical of the Super Bowl. People want to bet yes. the over in the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl gets a lot of action towards the over, especially when you've got two offenses like this. So we saw early movement towards the over right from the beginning. A little bit of under money did come in um, Sunday night at 51 and a half to drop it back to 51. And then it got pounded over. That was a pretty sharp move early. And then, of course, like at 53 and a half and 54. Why would you bet public. under at 51 when you know it's going to go up? Right, exactly. So nobody's going to, nobody, the guys who probably were taking a little bit of the 51 and a half on a smaller market at that point, yeah. probably trying to get a key number of 51 and go back over, right? So they were like setting it up yeah. a, a tiny bit. Um, yeah, we can talk about what my number on the game is for the total if you want to. Hell yeah, I want to okay, hear it. So, just based upon the math alone, I make this total 51 and a half. Really? So the math alone. That's fucking my which, head. Which does not take into consideration the matchups of the teams uh, in terms of like where they're currently trending from like, a, well, this offense versus that defense and this team can do this in play action and that team can't. Like the model, math model is not incorporating, you know, play action numbers and third down sack rates and right, all this right, other right. stuff that we're going to talk about on the show today. But what the model does look at is a lot of the other factors that I'm not going to get into. Uh, that being said, I am not. I did not bet the under on this game. Um, and I think there are enough advantages for both offenses right. where That's what I, got from I would report. be scared to take the under. Um, but I... I don't see this game as being like a 27-13 or 24-20. to Or God like forbid, score. last year, 13-3. Yeah, yeah, no. that's that's. I think that that would be a shocker to me. Gotcha. All right, so your numbers came out 51 and a half. How about that? Were you surprised to see that pop up? Um, I, To tell you the truth, I was surprised that it was a little bit low. Yeah. You know, I thought it was a little bit low. Now, there, of course – is some skewing with the way that the 49ers defense has looked the last couple of games right. in the postseason. Uh, and, and I really think that, you know, we're going to get into that, that they're being a little bit overrated. So let's get into it. Uh, Warren's uh, the depth in this is crazy. Uh, here are some nuggets that I don't know if we're going to get to, but just stuff that I've never even thought about. Here's one. Mahomes has never lost an NFL game by more than seven points. Wild. Wild to think about. Yeah. And if you want to tease maybe something, if you go, oh, I get the, the Chiefs you know, plus seven, guess what? It's never happened before. So if you want to feel comfortable there, that's pretty good. Here's another one. The Niners have not trailed by more than seven points in the second half of 17 of their 18 games. The only one they did was a loss 
to the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, and they only trailed for four minutes. And yes. It was the, and they only lost by three points. And that reminds me a lot of what we saw with the Tennessee discussion. We have seen the Chiefs down a large amount. We have not seen the Niners down a large amount. And there's something about being on that stage and for the first time having to deal with that that does scare me as a better because this is a Chiefs team that I could see them jump out to a big lead. Absolutely. Now, the Niners are one of those teams where I really don't have fear because it is Kyle Shanahan, but the fact that the players have never experienced that before, it could be a shock for the, you know, the Debo Samuels of the world. I don't know. Just I don't know if there's anything yeah. to that. No, I – this game is going to be really interesting. The feeling out process yeah. versus how quickly these teams start to take those aggressive shots. And I obviously would encourage them to start sooner rather than later. Yes. But uh, I know there's a with Kyle, there's a setting up process. Kyle Shanahan, yes. a setting up process to his play calling. He's showing you a play in the first quarter to take advantage of you in the fourth quarter. Right. And then with Andy... You know, they, they, they always defer, right? And they tend to start slower. So well, Andy is- has always had his 15 plays, and that's what he does. And that's why Doug Peterson does it. That's why Frank Wright does it. They all get it from him. And so he has his script. And I think Andy, like you said, is better when he goes off, and it's more creative and all that. But uh, the two main talking points, we're going to break it down like this, that you came up with is that the media and the public have two things completely wrong. There's a lot of shows on TV right now. There's a lot of podcasts, and they're all leaning into certain talking points, and you think they're wrong. And the number one of the two that I'm picking right now is that the 49ers' defense is not as good as the public thinks. Every show I turn on, I hear, well, if the Niners' defense, you got to be careful about that pass rush. If they contain Patrick Mahomes, who knows what's going to happen? That's the big storyline. And you have crunched the numbers, and you're going, hold up. They're not as good as you think. Was it surprising to you, or was it, I kind of knew this all along? No, it was surprising to me. It was surprising to find out that the 49ers' defense does struggle in several key areas because when you look at them big picture and you look at them overall and you just look at their, you know, you could say, well, I watch them and they look like they get after the quarterback well. And then you look at the overall numbers, four quarters of the game in summary. Right. They got good sack numbers, best in the NFL. So they're a good defense. They're really good at sacking the quarterback. I know both sides. I know Armstead. I know Buckner. They have no names. You know what I mean? But when you dive down into the numbers like I've done, I have uncovered the fact that there are absolutely areas that this San Francisco 49ers defense can be exploited and taken advantage of. Mm. I don't think that we've seen that on display enough yet this this season yes. in general. I think partly it's because of the schedule that they played and some of the weak opponents that they faced early on in the season. Uh, but I definitely think that there are going to be some massive edges we're going to discuss as to why the San Francisco 49ers defense is not as good as what we are hearing in the media the mainstream media is making them out to be almost like the 2000 Ravens or something akin to that, and I don't see that being the case. Your big thing, your big piece of advice for the Chiefs, everyone's going to say all week, you shouldn't pass against this front four. They're going to get after you. You go completely opposite. Your advice for the Chiefs is to not just pass, but maybe pass more in the first half than you ever have. It's a Belichick strategy get into it and why you think this is the number one thing the Chiefs should do. The Chiefs 
are a team that is the number one most pass heavy in the NFL. And they're the number one most pass heavy over the last 20 years in wow. some in some certain situations. The San Francisco 49ers tend to play a lot of teams that are a little bit more conservative-minded. The last three times that they've played offenses, they passed for 13, 14, and 14 attempts in the first half of a game. Okay, the, That's well below the NFL average. These are teams that look at the San Francisco 49ers, that look at that pass rush and right. say, we're scared of this. We don't want to lose the game with a strip fumble. We don't want to lose the game because our quarterback's getting pressured and so he's going to throw an interception. So we're going to run the ball and try not to lose this game early. I think you said the, the, the league average is 19 pass attempts in the first half. Yep. And so the last three weeks it was 13-14-14. Yes. Gotcha. Well below average. And I think that Andy Reid, despite the fact that they are the number one most pass-heavy offense in the NFL to begin with. They average 22 first-half passes. Absolutely. And they need to come out and throw the ball even more because my philosophy is when you're dealing with a strong pass rush, don't be scared of them. Don't change what you're good at doing. You're, you've got the best quarterback in the NFL probably right now. Let him throw the ball a lot. Quick drop backs, work the ball out to the uh, sides. The Hurry flat. up. Hurry up. Stay. You don't have to snap the ball quickly, but get to the line of scrimmage with tempo so that that defensive line for the 49ers, which likes to rotate guys, yes. don't let them do that. Keep them out on the field. Pass a lot. Make them run. rush the passer. What? Think about this. Again, we've talked about this on your show often. Do what the other team doesn't want you to do. What do the 49ers want you to do? They want you to play conservatively, fall into third and obvious passing situations. They want to blitz, get you off the field. Their defense goes and rests. They come back out. They're rested, healthy, and fresh in the third quarter and the fourth quarter. They're racking up sacks in obvious passing situations. So conversely, what should you be doing if you're the offense? Pass early. Pass often. Make those guys get tired out. You may not have extreme success in the first quarter, but by that third quarter, by the fourth quarter, those guys are going to be tired, and now Mahomes can just work on them. And you know the Niners are going to come out that D-line and want to get to Mahomes, and the amount of energy they're going to exert early if you keep passing will be full force. Now, it is a longer halftime, so there is a little bit more rest there, but I think this is a very Belichickian strategy. Pass a lot in the first half. Get those guys tired out for the second half. In your statistics, I'm going to read off some. Chiefs pass on 65% of first down play calls in the first half. Number two is 55%. They're well above the league average. Chiefs pass on 71% of first half plays. I thought the interesting thing, too, was when opponents drop back 35 times against the Niners, this is a non-blowouts, like the Packers game where they're trying to get back into it. In those games... The Niners have zero sacks and zero interceptions. If you play conservative and then try and get aggressive late, the Niners are going to win this game. That's what it sounds like. Absolutely. Andy Reid has to go out there. And and the other thing, too, is the Niners, as you've said, situationally, they're number one in third down sack rate. And the Chiefs are pretty damn good at not getting sacked on third down, I remember. That matchup is going to be so impactful, and it could be the singular matchup that decides this Super Bowl is what happens on third down when the Kansas City Chiefs have the ball and have to pass it, right? You're in an obvious passing situation. Third and nine, yes. Third and nine, third and seven, third and five even. What are you doing on those situations? Because the San Francisco 49ers, and this is what when I'm talking about diving into this thing. Right. The 49ers are the NFL's best 
defense at rushing the passer on third down. By far, it's not even close. However, on first and second down, they are mere mortals rushing the passer. They're at they're close to average, league average in terms of sack rate on early so down. So the Chiefs have to get they third. They ramp sure. it up on third down and are dominant. The Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes only allow a 3.3% sack rate on third downs. He's so good at scrambling. He's so good at getting away from pressure, yes. either releasing the ball down the field, living to play another down, so to speak. Maybe it's fourth and three. You pass the ball, but you, you, you know, sorry, it's third and three. And instead of taking a sack, he gets rid of the ball. And now you might go for it on fourth and three, right? right? You cannot take those sacks. A sack on third down is effectively a turnover. People don't talk about that, but it really is. Because if you get sacked, even if it's a fourth and uh, third and short, you're not going for it on that fourth down. So It almost sounds like as I'm watching the game, if a D lineman has Mahomes as a possible sack and he gets away, I feel like there's only going to be three or four instances of that in the game. And I almost want to count how that goes. Yes, you should. If it goes 4-0 to Mahomes, it's a Chiefs win. If it goes 4-0 to the Niners, if it's a 2-2 split, we're in a game. I thought the other statistic that was wild in your, in your book was when Mahomes scrambles on third down, I believe he's completed 100% of the time first downs. Yeah, Is that his, true? His conversion rate has been 100% conversion rate. That's insane. He, so he, when he gets away from you on those third downs and he's running around, this guy is so good at converting a first down. And I think part of it, too, is that he's so good at throwing on the run that if you start peeling away from the receiver and you're trying let, to get yeah, it. you're letting Demarcus Robinson go for he, 20. He's completing that pass. So he's, it's not like he's running all the time on third down like and just tucking and running. Right. He'll do whatever you're not doing. If you're covering, he'll run for the first down. If you're coming up to, to, to stop him, then he's going to complete the pass. One thing that you talked about before the Titans game and before the Texans game is Patrick Mahomes versus zone or Patrick Mahomes versus man. In your report, you showed that the Niners defense plays a lot of zone coverage on early downs. 50% of the time, they play cover three. 27% of the time, they play cover four. That means 77% of the time, they're playing zone on first and second down. And you have told us before, Mahomes lives to face zone. Do you think that this is a matchup Mahomes is going to be able to take advantage of? And do you think this is something that the Niners might have to play more man? I would be skeptical if Robert Salah went and played a lot more man here. Can I tell you the only reason before we get into it that he might? I really think that Kyle watched Dan Quinn in the Super Bowl switch from cover three press bail that he's run since Seattle to man-to-man with double teams against Bill Belichick. And I, I just feel like in the Super Bowl you have to do something you've never done. Because if he yeah. plays zone... How much is Mahomes going to take advantage? Like, Mahomes is incredible again. So, like, what numbers did you find about that? Uh, let me see here. If you have him quicker than I do. But let me, I'm trying to find him here. I just know that he 45 excels. pages is a little bit insane. <laughs> so, I'm trying to scroll. I'll try to scroll through here and find it. Um, you're mainly saying you expect Salah to play zone. And Mahomes against early down zone is where he has all his success. Yes, exactly. And I, and I think Mahomes is going to have success whether he, you go man or not because some of the teams were using more man. That was when Mahomes couldn't run as much because of his knee yes. dislocation as well as when Tyreek Hill was out. When we saw like 
the Titans played a little bit more man than than they usually do in the playoff game. Right. Um, and the few times that the Houston Texans, right, they tried to go a little bit more man. Mahomes is still having success against them. Right. Now that he's healthy, now that there was – that's the thing about this game. The other cool factor about this game is that we're dealing with – two offenses that saw a ton of injuries during the course of the season that people aren't really discussing at all. You're right. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, you're dealing without Tyreek Hill for a while. Eric then Fisher. You, Eric Fisher. Then you twist your ankle or whatever, so you're he limping was hurt. around. Right. Patrick Mahomes is, is, is hurt. Then he dislocates his kneecap. Kelsey was banged up for a few weeks. Kelsey, your O-line is finally getting healthy. Like, right. this is a team, Patrick Mahomes probably wasn't back to 100% until, like, week 14 or 15. And he's been incredible since. So, like, I think that they are, what, like 6-0 six and six and o this season, 7-0 and o when, like, he's been at his healthy yes. like he's he's not been injured so this is a different team you can't look at full season stats and right. just say oh well this is what they average or this is what he runs for and the same thing with the Niners they were missing both tackles they're fullback multiple wide receivers and I love that they're healthy and and this is the thing about that fullback I got to tell you this sure definitely an issue that I had with a lot of people on social media some of the people in the analytics realm, when Kyle Juszczyk went down, I was like, it was the one thing. Fuck. It was the one thing Booger was right about on the broadcast. I, I, I know. And everybody likes to pick on that guy. And everybody likes to say, well, running backs, they're irrelevant. They don't really factor into the game. And I'm sitting here saying, fuck, because I know how much yeah. Kyle Shanahan loves to have Kyle yes. Juszczyk available. I love how much Juszczyk factors into the game, not just from running the football on occasion, but pass blocking, run blocking, being that receiving threat, yeah. being able to send out I feel like every time I matchups. saw Raheem Mostert go for 40 yards, Juszczyk was faking to the right and then blocking to the left, and he's the only fullback that i ever seen in the league that does that. We're going to get into 21 personnel because that's a huge part of the other side of the ball. I am going to refer to this Super Bowl as the pre-snap motion Super Bowl. I don't think there's any teams in the NFL, maybe other than the Patriots, that move guys more pre-snap. And to stay with the, the Chiefs offense, Niners defense, the Chiefs run 55% of the time pre-snap motion. So literally more than one out of two plays, somebody's moving, and you found that the Niners defense has not faced a team that does anything like that all year. The fact that they it's their team and maybe they face that in practice, could that help or could this be a huge advantage for the Chiefs? No, I think it's going to be a big advantage because if you look at the 49ers, their defense has allowed 28% higher success rate, 2.2 more yards per ta- wow. pass attempt, 56 more passer rating points, and they've recorded zero sacks when teams use pre-snap motion ahead of pass plays against them. This is a defense. Their linebackers are very suspect to begin yes. with. Um, sorry, not their linebackers. This is a defense that are that is very strong. Sorry, we got music playing right now for the DiGiorno quarterback challenge. And out of all due respect, go fuck yourself. Okay, what were you saying about pre-snap motion? So the pre-snap motion here is a massive edge because the San Francisco 49ers pass defense is a very aggressive unit. They've got fast players, which is viewed as a positive, which it is. Right. They've got aggressive players, which is viewed as a positive, which it is. However, you can influence them with pre-snap motion. Especially when they're playing that much zone. Like, you're going to figure out exactly what the zone is with pre-snap motion. Alright, so that, I'm telling you, as I read this, I kept going, these offenses are going to go off. They really are. And 
the one thing that you and I get more frustrated about than anything during the year is when a team is kicking the shit out of another team, they get to the red zone, and they don't put up points. Baltimore, Arizona earlier in the year, uh, really every Baltimore game where they would get Baltimore, Tennessee. um, But the Niners' defense against the Chiefs in the red zone could be huge because you have found one personnel grouping that the Niners' defense cannot handle, and it's the number one personnel grouping that we expect the Chiefs to be in, and that is 11. Three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back. How big of an advantage could this be for the Chiefs? This is a massive advantage for the Kansas City Chiefs, and everybody at home, pay attention when the Kansas City Chiefs offense gets into the red zone, because when they get into the red zone and they go three wide receiver sets, this vaunted San Francisco 49ers defense ranks dead last in the NFL in success rate allowed to 11 personnel passes. 32. They rank dead last. They allow, uh, what is it, their success rate is league worst. Um, They're 29th in red zone sack rate against 11. They're 32nd on early downs. And the Chiefs are the number one most successful offense in the NFL in 11 personnel. So in the red zone, if the wide res- if the, this vaunted wide receiving core of the Chiefs, they trot out three, you have the number one personnel team in the NFL versus the worst defense in the NFL against 11 in the red zone. It's enormous. It's enormous. A 62% success rate is what they allow in the red zone to passes from 11 personnel. And why could they be this bad? Why are they this bad defending yeah. this? So let's, let's think about that for a second. This is a team that is accustomed to getting the pressure, not having to blitz. However, in the red zone, they are one of the worst teams in sack rate, and it's because quarterbacks get the ball out quicker down there. They don't hold on to the ball quite as long. You're not, you've got 15, 20 yards maximum, a lot of times 10 or less yards, to work with with routes. You're not throwing a route that's 30 yards down the field in the red zone. It's impossible, right? right. Physically impossible. So there's a lot more quick passing And that's where San Francisco's pass rush gets negated. Their sack rate is terrible. Inside the 40-yard line, this is another ridiculous statistic. The San Francisco 49ers this year, inside the 40-yard line when they're on defense, there's been 128 pass attempts on early downs. They have recorded just two sacks all season on 128 attempts. You know what that ranks? Number 31 in the NFL in terms of sack rate. This team is so good. San Francisco, watch in this game. We'll see if it occurs in the Super Bowl. So good at getting sacks on third down and so good at getting sacks when an offense is just getting started. But when you're driving for points, when you are on early downs, they are not good. They're actually very bad, which is why their pass defense and their overall statistics from an efficiency perspective are very bad, which is why, and I haven't heard anybody else talking about this, The San Francisco 49ers defense, the vaunted San Francisco 49ers defense, ranks number 25 in the NFL in red zone conversion rate. The touchdown rate, they're not good. But what they're so good at is preventing you from getting down there. They're great at keeping you out of the red zone. But when teams get down there, they're allowing one of the highest touchdown rates in the league. It's just funny because all I've heard is how good this defense is and how good they get after the quarterback. And then when I think about Mahomes and how efficient he is scrambling down there in the red zone 
And then I think about him against the Texans rolling left, and there's six Texans around Kelsey, and he figures out a way to get it in. Or he's tiptoeing on the sidelines against the Titans. That's why I'm just like, I'm not worried about the Chiefs putting up points right now unless they get behind and it's all third and longs and their run game's not going on. But we have seen play action works great against the Niners too. Huge drop-offs with the Niners. The 49ers, according to your report, dead last in play action success of all 12 playoff teams. So this is also factoring in an Eagles team that wasn't that good. This is factoring in the like all the all the teams. They were dead last in success. 78 success rate, 78% success rate when facing the Niners in the playoffs. But do the Chiefs do a lot of play action? Yes. Okay. The Chiefs do a lot of play action in addition they're going to be able to the reason but here's the unique thing about the Chiefs. They use it. However, they don't need it. Why don't the Chiefs need it? Normally, teams have more success running play action. They have more success running pre-snap motion. Why would a team like the Chiefs possibly not need it? Because their quarterback is a freak show. And he's not the type of quarterback who needs these crutches like play action that so many other teams use. So there might be a a decision by Andy, like, look, we don't need to use this here. We don't need to go as much pre-summation because we're great without it. However, in this game, because the 49ers are so bad against it, you must use it. You must use it more than you normally do. Um, And look, we're talking about all these numbers. We're talking about the San Francisco 49ers having the worst red zone defense, 25th in red zone defense, worst against the We're making them out to sound pretty shitty. We're making them out to sound pretty shitty. But then also think about this. How many great offenses have they played? The Chiefs literally have the best 11 personnel stack of wide receiving talent in the NFL. Quarterback and those three wide receivers and Kelsey. Name me another offense yeah. that has more and weapons Damian there. Damian Williams can go anywhere. So, so we're talking about this 49ers defense in the red zone as being bad, but that's against like league average in their schedule. I think you even said, too, the only team that really played that much 11 against them had a lot of success, and it was Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Like, that was the only team that really did it against them, and it's Kyler Murray with Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, and whoever the fuck they trotted out at tight end. So the fact that this team is number one, I look, if I'm, if I'm listening right now, I'm looking up Chiefs team totals. Um, are we going too far? Are there anything that the Niners defense will be able to hang their hat on? Because I have now given everybody seven different reasons why the Chiefs offense should kick their ass. Right. And so here's the funny thing about this game on this side of the football. Everybody would look at the Chiefs offense and say, they're fucking incredible. You don't need to tell me how good the Chiefs offense is. However, people are talking so much about the 49ers defense and so I need to sprinkle a little bit of reality into this discussion and a little bit of diving into the statistics as to parsing things out and isolating different things and finding out why this defense may have holes all of that being said they are great at certain elements of the game why do I think that the I put in the report why do I think that the Chiefs need to lower their run rate inside of the red zone. Why well, do they need... Because you did say the Chiefs have had wild success this year. 
running the football in the red zone. And so I guess your fear is they're going to do that more in the Super Bowl. Yeah, because in general, I think more— You always say run in the red zone. I love teams that run in the red zone because it is a more efficient play call in general, and the Chiefs are actually very successful doing it. However, the 49ers defense, we're talking about what do they do well. They're very good against the run in the red zone, right? So I think the Chiefs can exploit them by passing the football down. They're out of 11 personnel. But if they run it on first and second, and now it's third and nine, it could be a nightmare scenario for Patrick Mahomes. Absolutely. So they, the 49ers are going to get pressure. That's inevitable. Uh, the Chiefs have to stay out of third down situations. They have to stay aggressive with their play calls. They have to try to have a lead at halftime. Right. They have to do a lot of things offensively um, that, they, that they haven't been doing quite as much yes. in the postseason. Make no mistake about it. I'm, I'm berating and downplaying a lot of things about the 49ers defense. They're still a great unit. I'm yes. not suggesting these guys are trash. I'm just telling you when they are trash. There are certain times they are trash. Now is a great time before we switch over to the Niners offense to use last year's Super Bowl as an example of the difference between your report and what we're going to see on the field. Last year, your report found all the holes in the Patriots' defense. And Sean McVay, you said, this is what you need to do to destroy a very good Patriots defense. And he did absolutely none of it. So we can sit here right now and get very excited about here are the holes, but we still need Andy Reid to do it. Right. And I think that was a good lesson for all of us. Yeah. That sometimes we will see things that they will not, or they'll go, this is just how we do things. Do you have any fear with these coaches? And, and what did you learn from last year in terms of betting, knowing what the weaknesses are, but not knowing what the coach is going to do? Yeah, and, and, and we might even try to influence those coaches in certain ways and, 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 and share insights. And yeah, You might tweet, I hope the Chiefs see this. Right, yeah. or, or, or work some personal relationships to help out some things. And, but the fact of the matter is, like, Rams last year – they used 12 personnel three times. And that was the weakness of the, the Patriots. That was the weakness of the Patriots. Those plays had great success, but they used it so infrequently, it didn't make a difference in the game. Right. right? And so this game, I think it's actually more important that the Chiefs, list, Chiefs offense listens to some of this than it is for the 49ers. Because when we start talking about the 49ers, yeah. so much of what they do should naturally, naturally have an right. advantage. But in the Chiefs' case, like... The, if they just play their game and don't try to exploit the absolute weaknesses of this 49ers defense, the few that there are, they are going to find it's a tough defense to go up against and they may not have as much success. But if they do a lot more play action than normal, if they throw more in the red zone than normal, if they pass more on early downs, if they play aggressively to avoid third downs, yes. those are the times that they're going to have more success. But it's because that's where the 49ers defense struggles. And so I'll, so obviously from a coaching perspective, like they're the ones who are going to need to try to go out there and make those changes. I've never been worried about Andy Reid not throwing enough. No. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. always been his thing. But that, that's what I'll be watching. Do they throw more in the red zone? Do they live in 11? And do they use a lot of play action? If they do that, we're getting 30-plus points out of the Chiefs. We just are. And Nick Bose is going to be on the sideline huffing and puffing. And that was the other thing. Hurry up often. Don't let them rotate a lot of guys. And make Robert Salah on the sideline. Don't let him be yelling. Make him look confused. But I think that's the blueprint. Whether or not Andy Reid executes it will be the question. 
Feel good about that side of the ball? Definitely. You happy I read your report? Oh, you dug into it deep. Oh, I'm I love proud it. of you. All right. Other side um, is your other big talking point that the media has wrong, that the media doesn't know what they're talking about, is simple. Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers passing offense is not nearly as bad as the public and the media are making them out to be. I thought you had a nice little section. Here are all the headlines about Jimmy G after they went and beat the Saints. Is Jimmy G the leader they need? If he's doing this, they're a Super Bowl. Stop bagging on Jimmy G. And because Kyle Shanahan was able to only need eight completions to beat the Packers, all of a sudden they won despite Jimmy G. The number one thing that upsets me, because I'm in NBA media now, I'm in NFL media The NFL media, because it's such a short season and because it's one game a week, there's more days of reaction than there are action. We react too much to such a super small sample size, like 50 plays, that it's crazy. And week to week, we look at guys like Kirk Cousin. He's shit. He's great. He's shit. Jimmy G is in that cycle. And I have thought this entire year, Jimmy G is something like the 12th best quarterback in the NFL. That's the range I have him in. But this last two weeks of deciding whether Jimmy G is fucking awful or just awful has been so wrong. And your statistics backed it up. Was there any that jump out to you that you you use to throw in people's faces about how they're wrong about Jimmy G? Um, Look, in general, I want to go back to that game. Saints game. Saints game. And what I did is I went on to Google News and I set the time frame for <laughs> that day and the day after that Saints game, which I think was like December 4th or 5th. Okay? Where Jimmy G was Offensive Player of the Week. And I Googled the news on him. And there was articles being written about him being elite. There was articles written <laughs> about him being incredible Player of the Week. Because here's the biggest statistic I want to show with people about Jimmy G. In that game against the Saints... He went 26 of 35 for almost 350 yards, four touchdowns, 132 passer rating. He rallied from behind and led three go-ahead touchdown drives in the dome, the raucous environment yep. of New Orleans Saints. I pronounced it wrong again, I think. I said, it's okay. Uh, and, we'll let you slide. And absolutely dominated, including the fourth quarter game-winning drive. And now here we are, like you said, because Kyle found the – weaknesses of these defenses and exploited it stuck his finger in that wound and would not get out of there and just enjoyed it and you've got jed york high five and up in the press box as these with john lynch and these guys keep running and running and running and they're gaining 8.1 yards per carry on first half first downs why would you stop what the hell do you think he's going to do and at some point i think it became a personal challenge to this team Let's just run the ball. We're not even going to pass it again. We're going to go to the damn Super Bowl just by running the ball. Yeah. This is no knock at all on Jimmy G. People have it skewed so badly because they want to paint these crazy narratives to make some talking points leading up in the two weeks to the Super Bowl about how they're going to have to run the ball and they don't have a lot of confidence in Jimmy G. And Jimmy G's a system quarterback and he can't handle it. And I just want to say bullshit to all of that. And Jimmy G, you watch, in that NFC Championship game, they would have diced up that Packers secondary if Kyle wanted to. Yeah. He's got two weeks of second-half game plans with 
pass plays that would have worked that he hasn't that had in to use. his back pocket. He's yes. got two weeks of prep for this Super Bowl. Because the Vikings and Packers games were laughers. He created all these ideas and new wrinkles and plays for the Super Bowl in his back pocket. And if you think he's not going to call those plays because he's scared of Jimmy G, yeah. you've lost your mind. This is just a perspective season long. The 49ers played the 10th toughest pass defense schedule in the NFL. And they have the 8th best passing offense. A team that we've talked about, Mostert and Coleman and Breida and Kittle. Oh, he carried them through the Saints. 8th best passing offense with Debo Samuel, a half a year of Emmanuel Sanders, and like... Injuries A all guy over the that place. maybe six people have jerseys of in, in Bourne. You know what I mean? And injuries. And, and injuries. Offensive line getting hurt. Yes. You got Juszczyk going out getting hurt. George Kittle going out for several games getting hurt. You're playing such a tough schedule of defenses, and yet you're still top 10 passing offense in the NFL. Is Kyle Shanahan, in your mind, I have felt this way for a long time, is he far and away the best offensive mind in the NFL? I... I'm hesitant to say far and away because okay. there are a lot of... Who are, your, who are in your top... In terms of, just like you, they see the weaknesses and then they exploit them as they should. Because well, I feel like he's the best at that. He, he adapting. is. He's, he's great at adapting. And the other thing that he's really good at is um, I love his philosophy on football with going big and having those options because I think that's a real big weaknesses of modern defenses. Sure. They're built to defend, most of them, like 11 personnel, three wides, and he goes big and can exploit that. He's also so good at making one play and two play and three play look identical. Oh. And there's all these different options off of those plays. They all look the same pre-snap. They yeah. might all have similar motions, but then different things are happening. Uh, so he's great at confusing defenses. Um, and I love his aggressive nature in general. You know, So uh, he's, he's, I think, and I've said this, my favorite OC, my favorite offensive mind. Is it by far, is it a big gap? I, I love Andy Reid, too. Okay. So I don't want to say it's like by far. That's why I the Super Bowl is going to be great. What, and this is the crappiest part about the Super Bowl. The thing I am least looking forward to with this Super Bowl is one of the head coaches afterwards is going to get blamed? One of these guys is going to lose. And I want Andy to win it so badly yeah. because he so deserves to win it. And I want Kyle to erase the 28-3 to yeah. from Atlanta to the Super Bowl. And I want him to win one too. And I respect both of these guys. But the unique thing about this Super Bowl is that we don't have like a defensive head coach here. We don't have a head coach who right. doesn't do much offensively and has like a defense coordinator, an offensive coordinator, do everything. Right. You know, like a special teams coach, like a John Harbaugh, let's say. We have two guys who call their own plays offensively, who design their own game plans offensively, and this Super Bowl will come down and be blamed heavily. We'll look back in retrospect. This guy didn't call this enough. Right. This guy missed out on this opportunity. This was a big mistake. Like, one of these guys is going to suffer that at the end of the not day. Not here. We're not doing that shit. But I, it is going to happen. All right, so let's jump into the numbers a little bit. The number one that jumped out to me was that the Niners use pre-snap motion. Again, it's the pre-snap motion Super Bowl. 70% of the time, the league average is 40%. So literally, they're the number one pre-snap motion team in the NFL. But the thing that really caught my attention was they do pre-snap motion a lot to run the football. 
And when the Chiefs run defense, when the Chiefs defense is facing a team that uses pre-snap motion and then runs, they are the worst defense in the NFL at stopping the run. It stopped me in my tracks because here I am seeing Kittle, I'm imagining, Kittle and Juszczyk setting up against this Chiefs defense and then going, and they're going to run at 8.1 yards a clip again. What do you think, man? I, that, that jumped out to me. It, it's a ma- massive factor. The Chiefs don't have a great run defense to begin with, but they're extra terrible, obviously, as you said, when other teams use pre-stop motion ahead of those runs. Uh, their defensive success rate moves from 48% on those runs to 59%. Wow. Um, they allow 5.3 yards per carry on those runs. So they're very sensitive to pre-stop motion. By that, I mean like with versus without. They have big gaps between those splits, and you need to use it a lot when you're playing them, and thus it's just a bad matchup. This is a time when, you know, we talked about it earlier, which coach needs to adapt the most to pinpoint those defensive weaknesses. This is in Kyle's DNA. doesn't need to do much. Right. He's going to run with a lot of pre-snap motion, and this is something that the Chiefs really struggle to defend. You also have there that the Niners offense, number two in play action success rate from under center, Number three, just in terms of the amount of times they do play action on our center. How are the Chiefs against play action in general? The Chiefs suck against play action. Okay, You wanted the Titans to do it a lot, and they didn't. The Titans did it a lot. So these, these are crazy numbers. You remember the AFC Championship game. Yeah. Okay, The Titans led 10 to nothing, 17 to 7. In the first half, on pass plays, they had 16 pass plays. Nine of them used play action nine of 16 and of those nine eight of the nine used play action from under center and on those play actions from under center the Chiefs defense allowed an 88 percent success rate 13 and a half yards per attempt a perfect pass rating and a touchdown okay so literally eight for seven first downs a touchdown a perfect passer rating and the, and the Titans just stopped doing it crushed them with it in the wow. first half in the second half they dropped back to pass 18 times. You know how many of those they went play action from under center? I'm going to go zero. One. One. Is a 15-yard completion. So another first down. Another first down. Yet and this is they completely ba- wow. went away from using play action from under center in the second half of the game. They were dropping back, throwing the ball without play action. All They only used it three out of 18 second-half wow. dropbacks. I mean, they completely, for whatever reason, I know the Chiefs got a lead, but the lead wasn't completely insurmountable. No. You still have to do what you do best. Yeah. And guess what? Call the damn play action, and if all of a sudden it stops working, then I understand we're going to move away from it. But see, this is why leave. we don't have to worry about the Titans had to change who they were to be successful. This is who the Niners are. They do play action center at a top three rate in the NFL. And what we're seeing right now with the Chiefs defense, so that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm looking at the Niners offense, and I'm going, okay, play action under center, check. Pre-snap motion, check. This is what they do. Yeah. They should be able to move the ball at will. Do you expect the Niners to try and go slowly down the field to keep Mahomes off the field? Or do you expect Kyle to be really aggressive and take some kill shots? Okay, so the interesting part of this game, the other, I, first of all, I expect a smattering, like a, a little bit of the, the, the kill shot type yeah. things. But I really expect them to come and just be who they are and play this game the way that they normally do, which is not particularly up-tempo. 
which is not uber aggressive da- deep down the field. And this is the funniest statistic. Not the funniest. Like yeah, I you, found re- this. you see like rare deep shots to Debo, but like this, I remember one in Baltimore and that's it. Okay. This is extraordinary. This is a nugget that all you guys out there, if, if you don't have the report, you're going to love this. Nugget. Okay. Okay. There is a team, an offense in this game, that is the number one most explosive offense in the NFL this year uh, from a passing perspective. They are also the number one most explosive over the last four years, and it is not the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow. It is the San Francisco 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. When they pass the football, they have the highest rate of explosive gains of 20-plus yards when they pass, drop back and pass the football of any team in the NFL over the last four years. But guess what? They throw deep the least of any team in the NFL. So how the hell does that make sense? A team that has the highest rate of explosive passes but has the lowest rate of throwing the ball deep down the field. The answer is Kyle Shanahan. The answer. And the way he has crossers and dump-offs and screens and misdirection, the oh-shit plays of George Kittle popping out the back. They are great at creating yak and yards after the yes. catch. They are also highly efficient when Jimmy G does throw What's deep. wild is... This isn't just with Jimmy G. This is with C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullen. Like, those two and Jimmy Garoppolo, they're the most explosive pass offense in the last four years. Yeah, and those guys are just, you know, the fact that this is why I went into the season loving the 49ers. If you guys remember, we did the show earlier this year. One of the two teams that I bet to win their division despite being projected to finish third. Eagles and Niners. and And the... San Francisco 49ers were projected to finish third place, win eight games. I bet the over eight, I bet them to win the NFC West. Yeah. And it's because of what I saw last year with Kyle. Top and 10 in EDSR on offense and defense. And he was doing it with C.J. Beathard and Nick, Nick Mullins. Mullins. And now crazy. you got Jimmy G, who's a baller. Right. And Jimmy G's not going to turn the ball over as much, right? That's this fear. All these people that have, is oh, a knock on Jimmy, Jimmy G. G's going to turn the ball over. And he does have a habit of throwing the ball to some linebackers yes. and creating some problems like that. But that is the biggest concern why people are like, Oh, we don't trust Jimmy G. Kyle, you better just run the ball because Jimmy G is not reliable. Right. And, hey, guess what? If you win the turnover battle in the Super Bowl, you got a very good chance of winning this game. So you cannot lose the turnover battle. It is very important. But they have such an edge passing the ball with play action um, and, and doing some of the things. Now, I will say this. The Chiefs' defense surprisingly better than some people are talking about in some areas. Yeah, everyone's talking about the, the Niners pass rush being number one on third downs. She's pass rush is number two. Yeah, nobody's talking and about you that. And you got Frank Clark, you got Chris Jones, you got Terrell Suggs going to leave everything out there. The way that they blitz Steve Spagnuolo and how aggressive he can be. Um, I just, it's going to be a tough matchup for them because the Niners are going to be able to do what they want to do. Like you have here Chiefs defense versus 21 personnel, fifth worst in the NFL, and nobody runs 21 personnel more than the Niners, 32%, and they're amazing at it. But did you want to do positives about the Chiefs defense? Yeah, I mean, one of the big positives about the Chiefs defense, uh, if you look at what they do on early downs, they like to play a lot of cover three, and... You know, they play about league average of zone versus man on early downs. But when they're in zone, they primarily use cover three. 
and they're very good at it. They hold opposing offenses and quarterbacks. 43% success rate and right. 7.0 yards per pass attempt. Those are very good. Uh, however, Jimmy G has dominated cover three on early downs when he does yeah, pass. really listen to this, guys. The Chiefs love to use cover three on early downs, and Jimmy G, when he faces cover three on early downs, he's number one in the NFL in yards per attempt. He's number two in success rating. He has a 120 rating, and his touchdown interception is 9-2. to two. So the number one thing the Chiefs do on defense Jimmy G is a top two quarterback in the NFL against it. Yeah. So, so why so why would you take the ball out of his hands just to run the run right. a lot for no reason? Kyle is going to call plays that are winning the game. Kyle is every single play that he's calling is for one of two reasons: set something up or win this play. Yes. And so he's not just going to run the ball for the sake of running it if it's not having supreme success. He plays very balanced. They're a very balanced offense. But he's absolutely going to trust Jimmy G and the matchup edges that he's uncovered in his film study and his game yes. planning and, and let Jimmy G throw the ball as needed. We, we need Andy to adjust what he's going to do. Kyle needs to do what he's doing. This side of the ball, when the Niners have the ball, feels a little bit more like we need Jimmy G, if you're picking the Chiefs, to make mistakes. Because other than that, I don't really see how the Chiefs are going to slow this team down. Do you? This is where I think the game can be won is because everybody talks about the matchup of defense versus offense. You know, the 49ers defense versus the Chiefs offense. But you know another way that you can beat the Chiefs offense is with the 49ers offense. Just running the ball. It's not purely running, but yes, taking time off the clock with your offense on the field and putting up points, however that might be, whether you're passing or running, and I'm never a fan of let's call inefficient plays because we want to control the clock. That is a losing strategy that should only be reserved for like the fourth quarter of the game when you got a nice healthy lead. Right. The goal on every drive is to put up points and you can do it in a variety of ways but Kyle let me put it this way Kyle's not going to call dumb inefficient plays just to try to chew up the clock here especially in the first half of games especially it's like the philosophy oh well let's just keep Patrick Mahomes on the bench so we're going to run the ball a lot if it's not successful oh well but like that was our best option right no that's not your best option your best option is dialing up the best plays that are most likely to succeed and converting first downs because when you convert those first downs that's another set of downs that the opposing quarterback is on the bench and that's another step closer to the end zone where you need to put up seven points in this game so i think that's the goal but you can beat mahomes on offense for yourself we have talked a lot this year about edsr early down success rate and i thought the most interesting thing that i read in your notebook was the difference of these two teams not when they win the edsr battle but when they lose when the Chiefs have lost the EDSR battle this year, their record is 2-3. and three. When the Niners have lost the EDSR battle this year, they are 6-1. and one. And you, you never, in your notes, whenever I see them, pick a team. You don't do that. But you actually wrote that if the Niners win EDSR, it's going to be really hard for them to lose this game which in my mind kind of gives them the edge. Because if you're 6-1 and one and you lose the battle, the other team's 2-3, it just 
that's how good that Kyle Shanahan can be where he still figures it out. And I'll be paying attention to those early downs early in the game. Yeah. And just how they set the tone. I mean, and especially with the way that these teams are so good at rushing the quarterback on third downs. If you're in third and short, that's fine. Like, you got all the options at your disposal. So you can run, you can pass, you can QB sneak. There's a lot of things that you can do on third and short. When these teams get forced into third and passing situation, whether it's third and ten or third and five, okay, both these defenses are so good at getting out of the after the quarterback, which is why it's so massive in this particular because we're literally talking about the number one and the number two yes. pass rush defenses and sack rate on third down. So you better be successful you in early downs. Better early downs are gonna matter a lot. You've gotta be able to take advantage of that. And if the 49ers are more successful on early downs and win the EDSR battle, I agree with what I wrote. Yeah. I think it's going to be tough for that for the Chiefs to uh, take advantage in other ways and, and be able to score enough points or be able to have their defense step up enough to stop this 49ers team. I don't remember the last time I really didn't know who was going to win a Super Bowl. I really don't remember the last time where I was unsure who the favorite should be. What is your predicted game flow? Like, when you visualize this game in your hotel or at home, how did you see it playing out? I see a game that does start off a little bit slower with a bit of a feeling out process. And I'm talking about for the first drive or two by both teams. It wouldn't surprise me if there was some points, but I'm not banking on that happening. I'm banking on a little bit of a feeling out. But after that... I think that there's going to be production. And the biggest concern that I would normally have is that the Chiefs offense runs into this juggernaut defense of the 49ers and can't score. But if they're being successful on their early downs and moving into the red zone, and we already talked about how bad the 49ers, Chief, 49ers yeah. defense and sacking and, and, and pass defense in general on that side of the field, I think they're going to have some success. I mean, I know people are betting like the over three and a half field goals and props like that, but like I see, obviously there's going to be some field goals here. Right. But I do think that we're going to have some touchdowns. I think the 49ers are going to play. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch them pick and choose how they want to attack a little right. bit of here, a little bit of there, right. big shot, set them up with this, uh, sweeps, reverses, like a lot of different types of yes. plays. And I think we're going in for an exciting game, a game that's probably pretty close at halftime and probably pretty close at the end of the day. Right. I think it's going to come down to, I mean, you can always say turnover, so of course we could throw that in there, but let's get a little bit more intelligent Those aren't predictable, yeah. Let's talk about those third downs when the Chiefs have the ball. I think it's going to come down to how Jimmy G does passing against a good zone defense for the Chiefs on early downs in the cover three. Yes. Who wins that battle? Because that's a real strength-on-strength strength yep. battle. Who's more su- successful there? Um, and then, as, as anything, I think it could come down to some special teams, you know, the mm. punt coverage. you got yes. some speedsters for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. Will they make a difference? Field position, things of that nature. I think we're in for a highly competitive game. A fun game to watch at home. It's not going to be this 13-3 to snooze fest. No. I just don't – I already told you what I'm going to – what I hate the most is one of these coaches is going to lose this yes. game. What I don't want to see the most is one of these coaches, like Andy, run the ball a little bit too much in the red zone, call this a play when he should have called that one. Kyle make a mistake or two here or there that causes them to lose the game 
ultimately when things are said and done. And then for that to eat at them for eternity, that we lost this game because of my offensive play calls yes. or I could have done something a little bit different. So I want to see these coaches operate as optimally as possible with their play calls on offense and don't leave anything in the chamber. And so for that reason, it's hard for me to see this game going under. Right. Right. I do think if you normally people don't want to tease the total. Yeah. But there is some success in doing that and teasing the over here. I would wait. If you haven't done it already, I would wait. And I'm just going to share this with the 33% because we owe them as much as we can. I would wait as long as you possibly can because inevitably there will probably be a little bit more under money that comes in on this game closer to game time. And then you can get a better number on your teaser. Yes. But if you are going to and you want to tease the total, I think that that's a smart way to look towards the over. I am not going to talk about this game the rest of the week. So I'm going to make my prediction now and how I feel this is going to go. I think that both offenses are going to have success. I think that both defenses are going to look helpless at times. I think that when I think about special teams, I give the advantage to the Chiefs. I think that their their special teams coordinator has been up for head coaching jobs. I think that we saw how disciplined they were stopping the trick plays of the Texans. And I trust Harrison Bucker's long leg more than I trust Robbie Gould. I trust Patrick Mahomes more than I trust Jimmy G, but I think it's closer than people are saying. One, because they're harsh on Jimmy G, and two, he's been in this scene two times. So his, his nerves will be a lot less. So I think it's closer than people think. But I think it's going to come down to these coaches, and I'm not going to blame either one. But Andy Reid has spent a lot of his coaching career through those NFC Championship failures and the failure in the Super Bowl being called too conservative in big games. As an Eagles fan, it haunted me, man. When they lost that Super Bowl and they were not in hurry up at the end of the game down two possessions. It's something that Eagles fans can't get over. The lack of aggression. Conversely, Kyle Shanahan was called too aggressive in his Super Bowl. Even though he hung up 28 points on the Patriots to start off the game, He was vilified for it for not running enough. And I think that factors into their psyches when they get out there. That eventually Kyle is going to go, I need to waste more clock. I learn from my mistakes. And I think Andy is going to have in his mind, I might never get here again. And I am letting it all out. And I think that Andy Reid is going to do all the things that we want him to do. And I think he is going to take it from fourth to fifth to sixth gear. It feels like Andy's Super Bowl. It does. And I think that I look at the Chiefs and I look at Andy's mindset and I look at all the things that you broke down and I think that if the Niners' defense is on their heels and they've never been there all year long, I don't know if they're going to know how to handle it because the Chiefs' defense is going to look at themselves and go, we've gotten our ass kicked by the Texans four weeks ago. And we know that all we need, Frank Clark, is one sack to get that ball back to Patrick. I think it's close. I think it's in the 30s. But I think the Chiefs win this game. Just as I'm thinking about it, the psyche of these teams, it just feels like Andy Reid is going to go, this is all I got. And I'm letting it all out. That's sort of how I see this game playing out. I I hope you're right in terms of him letting it all hang out because I don't want there to be any regrets after the game for him. I will say one 
final statement about a quote that you said and about that 28-3 lead in Kyle Shanahan. I've paid attention to some of his interviews. I've listened to him because I admire him. And one of the things, he said two things about that Super Bowl and the way that it ended. He admitted that in hindsight he could have changed a couple of things with his play calling at the end there. And Please tell me he said that we actually got this, the first down on my second down pass, but Jake Matthews got called for a holding penalty. No, he didn't, okay. he didn't, blame his, he didn't throw his players under the bus, yeah. even ex-players. But the thing that stood out to me the most was he said one thing he took away from that is a 28-3 lead is not big enough. Love it. I don't think that we're going to see it. if I don't see a lead like that, right? Yes. I don't see that happening. But I don't see a situation where he gets a lead and then in the third quarter yeah. or the, just says, up oh, because of what happened in the Super Bowl, I'm just going to run the ball yeah. and try to drain the clock. He is going to stay aggressive with the I attack so. to keep building a lead. So I think I really both, like both, both coaches guys. are going to let it all hang out. Two prop bets that you like before Good. we leave. Yep, let's hit them. Number one, Kyle Juszczyk's. First catch over five and a half yards. Why? So Kyle Juszczyk is going to be used. Everybody thinks that there's a lot of plays in the Super Bowl, and he's going to have a bunch of targets, and maybe he could get like 11 and a half receiving yards, which is his receiving total for this game. But I think he might have, with all the different plays that are being called, one or two catches in this game. So you're banking like that, that he's going to go over that with one or two catches if you're taking his yardage total. However... His first reception, the way I see it playing out is, you know Kyle Shanahan has dialed up a couple of great plays for Kyle Juszczyk. Jimmy G tends to throw the football to the open guy. So if there's a linebacker or that play is covered, he's probably not throwing it to him for a three-yard gain. Right. right? He's going to throw it to him if he's running open down the field. And Kyle's either going to, check's either going to catch it or he's not, but that's why I like that prop as opposed to betting his yardage total. Over. Gotcha. It's, believe me, man, when you're sitting there and you bet the over on two and a half catches and he's got two, or you bet the over on the yards, like, I don't know if he's going to get it. It's scary. The other one that you like, I didn't even know this was an option. Apparently, you can bet how many more yards one quarterback is going to run for compared to the other. And you have Patrick Mahomes over 22 and a half rushing yards more than Jimmy G. You love this one. Yeah, I think because a lot of people, a lot of the sharp guys got out in front of the market and were betting Patrick Mahomes rushing yardage total over. And that got up to like 30 and a half, 31 and a half, wow. 32 and a half rushing yards. And, and granted, you can't look at full season stats because he's healthy now. But now those guys are betting the under on his rushing total wow. because it's it's just a little bit like obnoxious as to, how, as to how, how high it is. Very inflated. That being said, Jimmy G will run once or twice. He's good at moving around in the pocket on occasion. But if you go back and look at his rushing yardage, rushing yardage totals, it's like four yards, five yards, one yard, five yards. So... When so really what you're getting is you're getting 26 or 27 with Mahomes instead of the inflated 32, line of 32. 33 and a half, gotcha. exactly. So I still think that on those third downs, and the reason why I like it a little bit more maybe than some of the sharp guys do is because they're looking at the totals and saying, this is unlikely to happen. And I'm looking at it and saying, this is the best third down rush defense in the NFL. Mahomes is great at scrambling on those plays. We need a couple of those big runs yep. to set us up in position and then maybe another one or two yep. well-timed runs where there's a lot of coverage and he can find an open rush lane and he could exceed jimmy g by that amount warren thank you for your work all season long your super bowl report is phenomenal 
I hope you guys enjoyed the 33% because I have not worked with anyone that cares more about getting you guys good information than this man. I've enjoyed watching you rise as a star this entire season. I believe we are going to have one more chat after the Super Bowl to kind of recap what the fuck just happened. Uh, enjoy the game, dude. I really enjoyed working with you, man. It's been a privilege. Hell yeah. It's been so fun being on the show with you guys and meeting yeah. the 33% this year. I couldn't have asked for more. Awesome. For Warren Sharp, I am the L-E-F-K-O-E man. And we will holla, holla, holla at you guys later.